This podcast may contain adult language, adult situations, spoilers, and some brief nudity, so parental guidance is suggested. We have such sights to show you. After about five minutes of this movie, you're going to wish you had ten beers. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? Oh well. La di da, la di da, la la. Yeah. Welcome back to the Cinema Recall Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Cinema Recall Podcast. I am the Vern. I hope you all had an amazing Christmas weekend. Uh, we are back somewhat. Uh, my wonderful, beautiful host Ashley. Could not join on this episode because she is working and she's not able to help me out with this episode. Plus, I don't think so. she's a big fan of this movie and I know that if I had to watch it, she would not want to be friends with me anymore. So <laughs> instead, I brought along with me a great gentleman. First time around the podcast here and I'm grateful he's here. We have Doug from the Good Times, Great Movies Podcast. Hello, Doug. Hi, Vern. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, I'm a little bummed out that your co-host isn't a fan of well, what I... I believe, and I'm not. I'm not even just. I'm not joking here. I believe this is a feminist piece of film. So it, it's it's a shame oh. that it's just us two dudes talking about this. It is a shame, and I'll I'll, I'll preface this by saying I don't think she's ever seen this movie. Okay, before. All right, it's something that right. I will have. Right, but you know her better than I do, so you you probably have a, a better idea of whether she would like it than than I would. I I, I just know from her taste of movies, she would be like, "This movie's boring. There's nothing happens to this. Okay. Oh my god, this stuff's ridiculous." So, but she All also right. does have an open mind of things too. So it it has to be a sure. movie. If if we uh, shout out to the Parkway Theater where we've done mm-hmm. trivia for that place. If the ever was to host Eyes Wide Shut there, she'll watch it. And I think that's the best okay. way to watch it is in the theater. Uh, but yeah, the movie that we are talking about, folks, because you clicked on the link, is Stanley Cooper's Eyes Wide Shut. I'm holding the Blu-ray right here. We are going to get into that. Uh, uh, if you are watching or listening to us at Cinema Recall, thank you very much. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, such as uh, Podchaser and Spotify, Good Pods. We have episodes out on YouTube, uh, everywhere you can find podcasts. Thank you very much. You can get episodes early on our Patreon page. Again, patreon.com slash Pod. We're also available on Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio app for your iOS and Android phone. It picks up the most trended articles on the web and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time ever, the entire web becomes listenable. Stop scrolling. Start listening. Go to newsly.me. Use the promo code RECALL and get one month free of their premium service. Also, every Sunday, we are on fullswapradio.com during their Vanilla Sundays. Full Swap Radio is a kink and fetish podcast network, and we are on their Vanilla Sunday programs at 8.30 p.m., so be sure to check us out there. Uh, Doug, yeah, tell everyone out there all about Good Times, 
Great Movies Podcast. You are the host. When did you get started with this whole ordeal, man? Uh, well, I, I, my co-host and I started way back in 2015. Okay. Um, the podcast was my idea, but the basically what the podcast is was her idea. I said, hey, you want to do a podcast? And she said, sure. We had no idea what to talk about. We knew we wanted it to be movie-related. She pitched a bunch of stuff. We landed on 80s movies. We do not leave that decade at all. Uh, Our show comes out uh, once. uh, It comes out every other Friday, and we have not missed a Friday since we started the show. We're kind of proud of that, but, I mean, two two shows a month, we can handle that. (laughs) So... Uh, yeah, so it's an 80s movie podcast. We kind of, we cover everything. We cover good movies. We cover terrible movies. We kind of have fun with them. We kick them around a bit, uh, take the piss out of some of them, whether they deserve it or not, whether we like the movies or not. And uh, it's it's an absolute blast. We're in the middle of a very poor decision, which is to cover all Bo Derek 80s movies in December, it is a disaster. Like, one is worse than the next. I can't even believe it. But it's got to be for some fun conversations, so that's oh, got to be really cool. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the shame of it. Is <laughs> if, we, if we cover movies that we enjoy, we find that that's kind of a tougher conversation. It's not as enjoyable. It's just us going, oh, yeah, this was good. Uh, oh, yeah, that person had a great performance. So these god-awful movies that her sicko creep of a husband directed are make for good conversation. Not a good watch, though. What, what, is, was her husband Blake Edwards? No, her husband was John Derrick. Uh, John Derrick. Okay, yeah. my bad. Okay, that's yeah, he, Blake Edwards dated Julie Andrews type. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he married her when she was like 16, and they had to move to Germany to do it. it uh, the background Whoa. of those two is wild. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I will ask you this, though. Uh, through the course of doing this podcast, sure. has there been a movie that you enjoyed when you are younger, but then looking at it again, you're like, oh, I don't like it as much. And is there a movie that you didn't like as much when you were younger, but then we watch it again, you're like, hey, that's actually a good flick. The, there's, there's a bunch of examples of, of both of those i'm gonna say a movie i really liked as a kid and i could i had the hardest time even getting through it was tron tron as a kid oh. i found it fascinating and now it was the visuals did not work of course and i hate to say things don't hold up but when your whole gimmick is visuals and it did not age well the plot is slow and meandering. It, it really didn't hold up for me. Uh, and a movie that I wasn't crazy about as a kid, um, I think I was just too young for it. Uh, Cat People is okay. phenomenal. Like, like Cat People watching it now, I appreciate it so much more than when I was a kid and stumbled upon this weird film. I think I just watched Cat People for the first time this okay. year. Yeah. Never seen it before. I've, I've seen the original 1940s version first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then I watched this new version with Natasha Kinski. And I remember the movie mainly because David Bowie's song, Put Out the Fire, <laughs> yeah. was used in Inglorious Bastards. And I okay. it's the main theme song for Cat People. And I yeah. didn't realize that watching it. But, oh, that's where he got the song from. Well, that's yep. really kind of cool. Uh, but, yeah, it's a trip. Tron, I still love when I first watched it. Still love it today. 
And yes, the visuals are not as strong. I try to look at it. It's like it's uh, a 1930s movie being made with computers. Like they took 1930s yeah. style actors and action and put computer generated images on top of them. It's no, like I, someone found I, an old movie and did that. Yeah, I, I could see that. And again, I, I have nothing against old movies. I, I watch more movies in the 1940s in a month than most people do over their entire lifetime. Sure. So I have no issue with that. But this, I, I just found the plot paper thin now when I was Fair trying enough. to watch yeah. it. So, yeah. That is true. That is commendable. <laughs> uh, well, be sure, everyone, to check out all the great episodes of Good Times Great Movies on their website, goodtimesgreatmovies.com. I will yep. post links in our show notes about where you can find all the great right. episodes. So thank you, Dick Duck, for being here. Now we got to get to a section which I am dubbing Rage Corner. Rage Corner. <laughs> Rage Corner, brought to you by the guys from the Film Rage Podcast. This is the section of the show where we rage happily or rage madly about things going on in the entertainment industry. And since you are a guest, I'll ask if you want to go first. I do I do find the idea of raging happily kind of hilarious. Um, Let me have your reasons. No, no, I, I understand that. Um, I... My rage, this is so lame. I'll go first. There's never it, a lame rage. Be you know, proud of pretty, your rage. It's pretty lame <laughs> because I, I am a man in my mid-40s. I should not be as upset that they're making a Mean Girls remake as I am. That's the, it's the dumbest thing for me to be upset about. But it seems totally unnecessary. It, it seems like a cash grab and I don't quite know what they're trying to cash in on other than mothers maybe taking their teenage daughters to see this, I guess. And I know nothing more than the preview that I've seen, but I don't see any significant difference. I mean, it seems like a straight-up remake. Oh, it, it, it is a straight-up remake, yeah. but this version that's being released to theaters is a musical. They're adapting the musical stage oh, so play they took of Mean the, Girls okay. to the screen. I, I saw no music in the in the preview that I saw. Maybe I just saw a lame ass preview, but it it seemed oh it, uh, this the, they are legitimately cut. They are legitimately cutting out the musical portions in the advertisement of this. They do not want you to know it's a musical. Wow. It's the same thing with Wonka. They don't want you to know Wonka is a musical. They don't want you to know that Mean Girls is a musical. Even the oh color purple. Uh, all right. Okay. Out. That that okay. It seems crazy, first of all, that they would want to eliminate the musical aspect of it. Because I would think that would that would probably, I think, be a draw. I mean, the musical did well, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did yeah. well, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I just don't... I could see some people who might be interested in this being turned off going, well, wait, we could just watch the original. If you, if you sell this as it is a musical adaptation... I think that's a better way to sell it. I'm not going to see it either way, yeah. but I would think that would be a smart move rather than saying, here's this old movie and we're just going to redo it with younger actors. And for some reason, Tina Fey is still hanging around, I guess, because her name's attached to this thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I saw the trailers for this. I'm thinking, you know, they could have just re-released the original yeah. movie and put that out in theaters. There's nothing do wrong it. with doing that. Save it's the amazing. It's a whole it's bunch amazing. of money. It's amazing. Do it. 
Oh, all right. I I, I understand that rage. I'm Sorry. a huge fan of the Heather's musical, mm-hmm. and I got to see it live. I still do not want that to be adapted into screen. There's certain things on stage that should just right. stay on stage. There's like an Evil Dead musical. I yeah. do not want Evil Dead musical to come to the big screen. <laughs> no, I want to go to the theater and be sprayed with blood at the theater. I'm not going to get that in the movies with Evil Dead the musical. So some things should just stay on the stage, not there's on the screen. There's something. There is. There's a part of me that would kind of want to see an adaptation of that musical, only because. We've seen so many franchises have so many. Of course, if they have some hits and then they also have some misses, I would everything Evil Dead with that name attached has been pretty great. And I'd kind of love to see them ruin it with a musical adaptation. I know, right? Uh, I will say one cool thing about stage adaptations I did see in theaters the live stage adaptation of Spirited Away. Okay. And that was astounding that was mm, actually mm. really cool the way that you set plus all the actors speak japanese and i cannot speak japanese i do not know the language so the seeing it in theaters with the subtitles right. really helped out a big deal and it was great thing to watch so yeah do that for movies that's great but I, other than else i'll wait Love for it. it on stage but yeah <laughs> that is a great rage my rage is a happy rage and it's a happy rage that i want to share on past episodes but i never remember to or, or <laughs> had a chance to uh so i'm gonna do it right now my happy rage is oh you went away i gotta you gotta hear my rage my happy Sorry. rage this week you're good my happy rage this week is godzilla minus one i have Which, heard nothing but great things i am not a godzilla that, aficionado I, I saw i saw the the this is how out of the Godzilla loop I am. I saw the original Japanese, you know, the original Godzilla. Saw that, yep. And I saw the terrible, I think it's terrible, one with Matthew Broderick. Those are the only two Godzilla movies I've ever seen in my life. That's fair. I, I saw the Matthew Broderick that was the first Godzilla ever movie I ever saw. Okay. The Godzilla, Matthew Broderick. And then I saw the Japanese version, nineteen fifty four. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Destroy All Monsters, which is like a combination of like Godzilla right. and Gamera and all the other monsters. That was cool. And then I saw this. You do not need to know anything <laughs> about Godzilla, and you will enjoy this movie. Okay. This is essentially the Japanese blockbuster version of Jaws. Mm. All right. It is emotional. The characters you are really in, uh, indulged with and engulfed with. It's got. Great stories of heroism. It's dramatic. It's funny. It's scary. And it's the first time in a long time where Godzilla is actually scary himself. Mm. Okay. The action sequences are amazing. I hope studios watch this movie because this is how a blockbuster movie should be done. It's just mm. absolutely astounding. And it was made for, like, I think, like only like $15 million. So like a very minuscule budget for a picture and it just grossed over 60 million so far yeah. so yeah been a- that's incredible like i said I've, I've heard really good things um i'll probably take the time then to check it out at some point because i didn't do whatever the whatever the past couple you know u.s versions or, or whatever 
I totally skipped those. Um, I heard mm. some good things. I heard some negative things. It wasn't enough to get me on board. But honestly, I haven't heard a bad thing about this film. And I like the fact that they showed Godzilla throughout the whole thing. Within mm. the first like five minutes, you see okay. Godzilla. And the one that came out in like, 2011 from Gareth Edwards, I think, that right. one tried to make Godzilla mysterious and didn't show much of him. And it was all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... This one, you see Godzilla and all its glories right there. So <laughs> that is great. Um, Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds amazing. I, I'm forgetting something, Doug. I'm hmm. forgetting something. I always do this. Um, oh, yeah. Whenever, whenever I forget stuff, uh, I have to mention about Magic Mind. Magic Mind uh, is a new productivity shot, which you can get right here. It's supposed to boost... Energy and focus, quest procrastination, and elevate mental clarity. Go to magicmind.com slash cinema recall. Use the promo code cinema recall 20 and get 56% off your first purchase in the first 10 days. So go there. Our links will be in the description. Magicmind.com. There we go. Got that shit out all the way. Now, for our podcast listeners, you are going to be hearing an ad spot from an amazing podcast show that you should definitely check out. And we will be right back to talk about Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut because it's Christmas. And it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> Don't care what you say. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dietrich. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. We're from the podcast That Song From That Movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. We want you to join us on our voyage across the cinematic sound waves as we take a deep dive on a new song and movie each week to figure out just what makes them tick. Already we've set sail with Celine Dion on the Titanic, found a friend in Toy Story, and gotten drenched out in the rain with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hopefully each breakdown allows us to answer the ultimate question of what's better, the movie or the song. Or at least learn something new along the way. Just like learning that Toy Story 4 is a meaningless cash grab without a soul. You can subscribe right now on all good podcast platforms. If you use one of the bad ones, then that's on you, and we can't be held responsible. Subscribe to that song from that movie. Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer... There was a teaser, there was a trailer, trailer one, trailer two, final trailer, I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist! Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy! That's right. awesome. You're going full Danzig. That's right, I am. My, my trans game has no power over me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch Eyes Wide Shut every, a, every year. Why? <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's not a Christmas movie! It's totally a Christmas movie. It's not, Vern! It's okay, too. There's, there's a YouTuber called Jess And she actually did a whole, like, hour-long essay about why it is a Christmas movie. And yes, it's a combination of both It's a Wonderful Life and a Christmas Carol. Sure. It's... it's... no. No. <laughs> <You're saying? laughs> no. Just because it has the same themes as those two Christmas movies. Does not a Christmas movie it make, friend? It's, 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 set, it's set during Christmas time as well. Uh, if you just say no, if you just say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I will say Eyes Wide Shut is also a Christmas movie, and you can make your decision. Yeah, I guess make your own. Make the right one, people. <laughs> make the right one. The I, Krampus. I, 
still has time to come get you. Don't don't make me. Actually, don't. Welcome back, everybody. The Cinema Recall. Uh, like I said before, if you're watching this on YouTube, I don't cut anything on the YouTube channel. I just play everything out the way it is, the way that record podcasts. You can see the magic and the joy of <laughs> yeah. Let's call it magic, right? Magic. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yes, today we are <clears throat> discussing Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. I'm holding the Blu-ray right here in my hand. It was based on the story and book Traumaville by author Schitzler, starring Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, uh, Sidney Pollack, Alan Cumming, uh, Lily Sobeski, a whole bunch of other great actors. Uh, I'm going to ask you, yeah. Doug, when did you first see Eyes Wide Shut? <laughs> I first saw this. Um, I don't have very many interesting stories uh, for when I first saw movies, and maybe this one isn't that interesting, but I saw it in a very odd way in that I was dating a girl at the time that this was, I guess, certainly out of the theaters, and her family rented this for, like, family movie night, everyone. And they stayed there... and their daughter's like, well, all right, you're here. Let's all go upstairs and sit down as one big happy family and watch this. And Was this during Christmas time? Did you watch this during Christmas? It was during Christmas time. Oh, That's, my God. Yeah, That's, it's oh. so incredible. And we sat, we watched the whole movie. Everyone hated it, like hated it. And I'm, listen, I'm a guest. I'm dating their daughter. I'm not going to speak up. But the moment it ended in my head, I'm like, that was amazing. That was incredible. I can't, like, I want to watch it again immediately, but didn't say that and had to listen to these people complain about it for like an hour. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, well, for me, I saw this movie in theaters. Mm-hmm. Because oh, great. Prior to this, now, Back in the day, I never uh, connected filmmakers with movies, but I ha- I have seen The Shining and uh, Full Metal Jacket sure. a whole bunch of times, but I never connected those movies with Stanley Kubrick for a while. And I remember one year I watched 2001: A Space Odyssey for the first time, but I watched it on a small 13-inch TV. Now, it was the letterbox version of the movie, so I got to see it in the scope it was, but it was still on a 13-inch TV. But that movie just really impressed me. Even on that small screen, I was yeah. just totally taken by the visuals and the story of 2001 Space Odyssey. So when I saw that uh, Eyes Wide Shut is coming out in 99, because I've just been out of high school for a few years, I knew mm-hmm. about Stanley Kubrick's name. I'm thinking, oh, well, I love 2001. I love The Shining. I love Full Metal Jacket. Still have not seen Barry Lyndon at the time. I did see Dr. Strangelove, too. So I, yeah. I, I caught most of his features. And I went with a few friends to the theaters. And we got to see it at a cineplex where it was just one screen for that whole entire theater. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a multiplex where there's a bunch of different movie theaters. It was just one theater screen. And it was shown... Almost like in the theater at the time looked like this gothic cathedral type of place. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. it was a great visual experience. But I will admit the first time that I watched it, 
I wasn't too much into the movie. I was confused by it, but yet there was something about many scenes in the movie that I did like. And I tend to look at movies like I do rock albums, where mm-hmm. I like tracks of a certain album, but I may not like the whole album yeah. until later on throughout the years. And it wasn't until many years later when I did give it a rewatch. And it's a movie that I watched all the time because in 1999 and the 2000s, we had a slew of movies that I didn't quite understand, but I enjoyed them. Movies like Magnolia and uh, Dying Darko, mm-hmm. Mulholland Drive, uh, all of these great movies where I may not understand a lot about the plot and what's going on, right. but they made such an emotional feelings in me that it made me want to rewatch them over and over again. And Eyes Wide Shut is a movie that I keep coming back to all the time. It's a movie that I find new things about it mm-hmm. while watching it. And I enjoy it very much. Uh, the basic plot description of Eyes Wide Shut, and we're not going to go through a whole scene by scene yeah. breakdown because we'll be here too long for that. Uh, <laughs> but we have uh, Dr. Bill Hartford, played by Tom Cruise, and his wife. They go to a Christmas party, and she is dancing with this with this Hungarian guy. And he's walking around. He talks to two models that he's really attracted to, and they're attracted to him. But he, they were, he's going to go off with them. He just called in to Sydney Pollitt's office, and there is a woman who's naked and obviously overdosed. Uh, they're both there at the party, but they're doing separate things at the party. And then one night, uh, she confesses. While they're getting high and being alone together, she confesses about a fantasy she had about a, I want to say he's a Navy officer. Yeah, I think he is a Naval officer. Yeah. Naval officer. They're at a vacation and she sees this Naval officer and she had this fantasy where she's like, if he wanted me for one night, I'll be willing to give up everything. You, our kid, everything. And that upsets Bill. And it sets him off in this path where he's trying to uh, have the same type of sexual adventures and things go awry from there. Um, I don't know if I'm describing that. I'm just trying to give you the basic plot line without giving any response away here, folks. Yeah, yeah. If people people haven't seen it, imagine that simplified plot like expanded into what nearly three hours of a movie <laughs> yeah and i i watched a, a video analysis from jess flitz and i'll post the link in our show description because she perfectly described this as a christmas movie and she says mm. it's basically like it's a wonderful life <laughs> but with uh sex orgies and yeah things going on in there oh yeah I, um I I think, I mean, listen, you could analyze this film to death. And if you go online, you can see people have already done that. Um, And and I think, I mean, at least as far as I'm concerned, this, the film to me is relatively simple. Mm -hmm. It's basically that Bill can't handle the fact that his wife is a, is a sexual being, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like he, he can't deal with it. She, she only thought about these things, and then he has to go out and try and seek out 
these actual experiences to try and sort of just get back at her for for describing a fantasy to him. I mean, it's not even like she said we did this or anything like that. She's literally like they sit down or they're 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 making out, they're getting hot and heavy and everything, and and she she just describes a fantasy that she had. And maybe she takes it a bit too far. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But he cannot deal with this. Like he literally even says, No, 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 women don't do this. Like women don't think about this. This is yeah. not this is not how women are. That's how men are. And he has such a hard time dealing with it. She does she has that great line when they're in the room together, which is by far my favorite sequence in the movie, mm-hmm. where she says Men have to take it in everywhere they can, but for women, women's about security right. and emotions and whatever the fuck else. Yeah. And he says, Let's simplify Alice. And she's like, If you men only knew. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I, I think as men, we like to think that when we're with someone, that we're their all be all yeah. men, we're the object of their affections and everything. But women can have fantasies. Mm-hmm about other people just like men have fantasies about other women too and i think the story ultimately is about these two characters uh expressing their sexual fantasies and realizing that they like the normalcy of their marriage it's about two people growing and connecting to each other through their different adventures whether it be reality or fantasy because the normalcy of their marriage, that's the one thing that they can both agree on. And actually, that's the one thing that very early on, like she even says to him, like, oh, the, well, when she asks him about, you know, anyway, when they're having that conversation, he says, no, I would never do that to you because we're married. Not, not because I love you, not because we have something more. It's marriage. And even as you said early, she's dancing with that Hungarian guy and he's like, hey, Let's get down to it. Like, what's stopping you? And the only reason she basically holds up her hand and shows the ring, it's not mm-hmm. about a, a connection they have. It's its not about the passion they have for each other. No, they're just married. Like, And I think that's the important thing about this film because for long stretches, it's just the mundane existence of two people that are married. Like her just hanging around the house with this kid, him just going to his job. Mm-hmm they're not they're not connecting on a passionate level and i think this movie is really trying to point out like okay well i guess passion is over here mm-hmm. and a committed relationship is over here and when she tries to pull those two together he flips out like and then the movie gets started yeah uh now do you think and i'm going to ask you about the title of sure. this movie eyes wide shut I always thought this is just my brain yeah, thinking no. about this. I always thought about Eyes Wide Shut is Bill may be open to a lot of like new experiences, but it's shut about what's really the love that is right mm. in front of him. And that's how I kind of interpreted that title of like being open to things, yeah. but it's not in your mind closed. Like he's yeah, I, here. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry, no, no. I would say he's hearing her story mm-hmm. about this, and his mind races through like jealousies and things that he wants to do. But his mind is shut off that it's just a fantasy story. She's married to you. She has a yeah. kid with you. She's still with you. These stories that she tells, 
it's just a story, you mm-hmm. know. It doesn't really mean anything. I don't know why your mind is shut off to that too much. So. Yeah, I, I think I I view it the same way, much the same way you are. Where for the the great majority of this film, their eyes are wide shut. Whatever we want to, you know, whatever mm-hmm. we want to say that is. And at the end, I, I think that the 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 end scene in the toy store is so impactful and it's so great because at that point, and she basically says as much like their eyes are now wide open. They, they've now had these conversations. They've been through the, an entire, I guess, courtship and marriage without expressing these, these sexual fantasies. And she came right out and told him he went out and tried to do stuff. Then he later confessed to her. And at the end of this, she's like, okay, we now know everything. Like we, we we're now dealing with the fact that we know more about each other than we did a few days ago. So now let's see if this relationship can continue working with all we know now. Can we take these two things that felt so separate and now put them together to continue our marriage? Yeah, that's, that is very true about that. Um, I'm now you, I'm sure you heard this before that this movie was inspired by Trumneville, mm. um, which is a older movie, older book. It was uh, written by author Schitznell, and his book Trumneville is basically called Dream Story. Mm. And this was actually made into a movie in like the late sixties, early seventies. And really quickly, it's uh, a doctor in Vienna becomes jealously tormented when he realizes that his wife, uh, who mistaken too much granted, has a secret life. Called out in the middle of an argument, he finds himself in a journey to the end of the night, uh, navigates his way through a series of hazards, follows a lot of the same. He visits a grieving woman who mm-hmm. lost her husband. Um, but the musician that he meets... And Chomneville, he basically just invites him out to the party. Okay. Uh, and an eyes wide shut. Uh, Nick Nightingale, played by Todd Fields, uh, Academy <laughs> Award director Todd Fields, yep. is a little bit hesitant about that. I, I think an eyes wide shut, and knowing that the story of the original is called Dream Story, mm-hmm. is kind of a fascinating thing because while watching it, Everything does take place in the reality, but it's a very different type of reality. Kubrick shot this on a soundstage, and it looks like New York, yeah. but it's not kind really of. New York. <laughs> right. Yeah, it looks like New York by way of, like, London back alleys, kind of. Yes. <laughs> that is... I, I find it, first of all, it's a gorgeous movie like i i want to celebrate the holidays in this town i want and i'm sure it was a set but if i could have one bucket list item i want to go to that bar where he watches his friend play piano i I just want to hang out in that environment that's another cafe yeah that would be great if they made an event where you could relive the life (laughs) that he had Complete and with did, the orgies, of course. Yes, of course. I I would go to the house and right. watch masked people having sex. Yep, be great. Uh, but when watching this, and he's in that town, he's going to town, and he meets up with those drunken frat guys, yeah. and 
he meets up with the uh, prostitute. I think her name is is that Naomi. The first uh, one. I've, I've, I forget the name of the first. No, she. Um, oh boy, I can't think of her name. Sorry. No, sorry, not sorry. I'm. I'm. Uh, I I'm should bad. have. I should have IMDb pulled up. I do. I do it every time, but of course this time I didn't. <laughs> And usually, I, I just I know I can just kind of pull this up yeah. while we're talking. But uh, her there, her appearing, that almost feels like a dream scenario. And it wasn't yeah. it wasn't until many watches doing this where it felt like I don't think he's I know he's going through this experience, but I think his version of it is dreamier than the actual reality of it. Yeah. And I think when, after he has all the experiences at night and then he goes back and sees it during the day, I think the day portion is real and the night portions aren't as so much. Just yeah, the way what, that it's filmed. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people bring that up. Is is any of this stuff actually happening at night? And And I don't know, but... Every encounter he has feels like a fantasy. Feels like mm-hmm. one of his fantasies, or or him trying to chase his wife's fantasies. But at every turn, him kind of going, no, no, no. But I would not have sex with this prostitute. No, I I wouldn't throw it all away. I am I am better than Nicole Kidman in this regard. And then so let's move on to the next adventure. And he's. Lily Sobieski and I'll take the high ground with this too like it seems so strange but you're right then in the light of day all these interactions that he has whether it is with with Sidney Pollock or whether it is back at the costume shop they feel so mundane mm-hmm. yeah uh, the actor that played Domino, Domino that's, that's was, what it is that was her name uh, Vanessa Shaw okay uh, and I like the sequence. It's so uh, he's. I can tell that Bill Hartford didn't have a lot of like sets growing up, and with, I think his marriage mm-hmm. to Nicole Kidman, and he's thinking, "Oh, this girl has not been around many other men." He's thinking, "I'm her first guy." All right, <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. love of her life. Yeah, and hearing the story puts a stake into his heart. Going, wait, there's other men. You actually liked other men. And in his mind, he's thinking, I have not had many experiences that my wife has. And I think him going out in the night and trying to do so is him trying to match what his wife told him. And I like the sequence when he's with Domino and she's like, so should we get going? And he has the line, what do you recommend? Yeah. what do, you, what do you mean right away from bed? Were you yeah. upset? Oh. Uh, and he gets thrown off when they're in the room together. They're about ready to kiss. He gets a phone call from his wife. Right. And he's there. He's like, yeah, I should go. Uh, yeah. It, it's even the line's even better because she says, do you have to go? And he just sits there and goes, do I have to go? Yeah. He, he is unsure. And mm. everything about that seems so convenient. Like later on with the roommate being like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's HIV positive. Like, like it just seems so convenient. Like, oh, boy, I really, I really dodged the bullet there. It, it just, it feels so manufactured, it, it, some of these interactions. 
Yeah. Uh, now we should get into the big meat and potatoes of this movie, and we sure. have to talk about the party that he goes to. Uh, earlier in the film, I mentioned uh, Bill, Bill Hartford meets an old friend who dropped out of medical school. This mm-hmm. is Nathan Dale, played by Todd Fields, and. He tell at the party, Dane Jill says, I'll be at the Snow Cafe. Come by, stop by, have a drink. So Bill stops by there. Beautiful jazz bar. I would love, I totally agree with you, Doug. Yeah. I would love to have this in my hometown. It'd be great. <laughs> but he has a drink with him and he talks about playing blindfold at parties. And he says, A blindfold wasn't on Ted all the time. And he saw all these beautiful women. And he's going to be going there, and uh, Bill says, all you got to do is just give me the password. Tell me where yep. it is. No one has to know that you know me. I'll be wearing a mask. He's like, where are you going to get a mask at this time of night? So he goes to a costume shop that was used to be run by a friend of his and now run by um, – I had his name on here. Milis uh, – no. Right. Yeah, Mr. Millich, yeah. who owns Rainbow Fashions, he's there. Bill says, I'll pay you $200 over the price of the suit, and he's going to sell him the suit. And then they hear a noise coming through the back room. Right. And he goes to the back room, sees two Japanese businessmen <laughs> naked with his daughter. His daughter, played by Lily Sobeski, yeah. who, in my mind, looks like she's about 16 years old. Or oh, maybe younger. If that. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. She doesn't look like she's old enough to drive to me. So Yeah, yeah. So uh, they get mad, and uh, his daughter is holding on to Bill yeah. half naked, and... The orders are yelling at everyone, locking the two businessmen up in the room, saying, hold on, folks. I will call the police. You'll have to stay here. I'll deal with you, you little whore. And she whispers something into his ear, which mm-hmm. we don't actually hear right. what that is. Uh, I don't know if she's saying something important, something dream, but it kind of shapes Bill for a little bit. And yeah. I always imagine to say, this is all just a game. Yeah. That's what I hear her say. Like, this is all just a game. Uh, so sort of spilling the beans to him? I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's such, like, this is one a, of those points in the film where I'm not really sure how much of this is in his imagination. Does he get a costume? Does he go to this thing? I guess. Like, I'm, I'm willing to buy it. But yeah. how much of this is actually happening or how intense is this situation in reality if it is even happening like just the idea of two random japanese businessmen (laughs) in the back room of the shop that you own and you don't know about it it's it's just it's a little bit too strange it's 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 a very weird creepy moment and it's even a little bit more weird and i i when people watch or listen to this episode i really hope you have seen eyes wide shut sure because i mean trust me you need to watch this movie and experience it but when he goes back to the costume shop and he's returned the costume and his daughter shows up and mr billion says uh, if you need anything, yeah. anything at all, 
it didn't be a costume. Yeah. And yep. he's holding her. And he's like, Bill's like, well, hold on here. Those two <laughs> men, you were going to have them arrested. Right. And he's like, we came to another arrangement. Yeah. And like, oh, that, huh. Yeah. We came so to another you... arrangement. What you saw, that was just a misunderstanding. Don't don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, they forget about it. And I think that has to say, too, how we shut our eyes to certain horrors sure. going on because I know Bill knows that this young girl is being, you know, prostituted out, probably not out of her own will. And hey, right. we support sex workers and everything like that. They're too, a lot of them have their own choice of, you know, being in the lifestyle, yeah. but it doesn't seem like she is. And I was watching uh, some analysis video saying that that young girl is just a prostitute they hired to be with those businessmen. Like hmm. the businessman fantasy is get caught and locked in this room. Okay. And Mr. Milnich hired that girl to play his daughter right. to do that. Okay. And the whole thing is just kind of a, like the whole thing is made up. That's why in my head, when she whispers to the doctor, this may not right. be what she actually whispers in the Tromneville movie. Uh-huh. Uh, she says to the line, take the coat, take the cloak. Mm-hmm. Or take my cloak. Mm-hmm. That's that's what she mm. says in that version. But my when I see things in my head is it's all just a game. And right. maybe this has to go with like how I view the movie and how maybe my eyes are wide shut to certain things that are going on in the story. Maybe I'm not seeing things clearly as they should be. But to, I don't know. But to say I like the idea of this is just a game. None of this is real. Like this is everyone is just basically playing out their own fantasies. You know, mm-hmm. he goes to that sex club or, or crazy rich person orgy, and it appears that this woman has oh sacrificed herself for him. Are they really going to kill her? I don't think so. Like this is just them playing out their own silly fantasies and him playing out his fantasy or his mm-hmm. imagining of what's actually happening here where it's all just for play. Like yeah. none of it is it's all real surface level, but there's nothing underneath any of this. Uh but we do get the sequence when he goes to the house, shows mm-hmm. up at a cab. I do love that at, at the end when Sidney Pollock's like, dude, come on. You came in a cab. Like, how are we not going to know that? <laughs> or how are we oh, not going to think someone's here who's not supposed to be? It's like everybody else comes in a limo. You came in a cab. Not only that, too, but they found his rental receipts <laughs> right, yes. in the coat pocket that had yeah. his name on there. Yeah, it's uh, great. It's great. He's so bad at this, and that's, so that's he, also he, what's hilarious. He's crashing this party that is not for him. You know, he's not invited to this thing. Right. Uh, he's at that one place where all the women get naked and everyone's wearing masks. And, hey, look, I love a good-looking naked body. Don't yeah. get me wrong. That's great. But I am not going to partake in an orgy if I can't see someone's face. I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know. Those are standards well, have you been to that those are. Before? I don't know, but man, your standards are way too high. I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. If I'm if I'm in this situation, I listen. If the rules are wear a mask, okay, fine, fantastic. But I don't. I, but I want different types of masks. All right. I don't want the. 
that same type of style of mask. Yeah. I want a different style of mask. It's just, it's just weird. I, I, if I'm gonna do have, you, do you? I, in order I, for me to have any sexual connection with someone there, I, I gotta see someone's face. I'm I, weird that way. I have a quick question, and this is nothing Shoot. that I ever saw in an analysis or anything like that. But you know, given the fact that we're wondering how much of this is real and how much of this is staged. I mean, Sidney Pollack says you weren't supposed to be there, but also maybe he was supposed to be there. Maybe this is Nick Nightingale's job. Maybe they do all of this for that one person that shows up uninvited. Like this is just for their benefit. This is all just a show to freak out some weird normie that shows up. You know what I mean? Like it's nothing that I really ever thought about while watching this, but this time I was like, wow, is this all just a game and a setup? Just like every time they do this, they pick some other schmuck to do this to. You know, you do have a good point there because Bill is going through some problems with his marriage at the start. I mean, right. they're having sex with each other, but they're not having the type of sex that he wants. Even after the party at Ziggler's in the beginning, yeah. when they're having sex, she's not really looking at him. She's looking off to the side. She's not really fully into him as right. he is into her. So I'm thinking Nick Nightingale found out about this and teased that Bill the idea about the set's orgy, hoping that he would come and that he would have, you know, a one great experience mm. there uh, because he has many opportunities at that party to have sets, yeah. but he doesn't. Right. He's afraid to. And they basically have to confront him and bring him into this room and ask, ask him about the whole idea with the password like, yeah. what's the password? He says, Vidalia, that's correct, but that is just the password for admittance. Right. What is the password of the house? <laughs> and right there, I would have been like, uh, there is no password of the house. This is, no. But he's like, I just forgot it. I'm so sorry. He's like, that's <laughs> so great. <laughs> because it doesn't matter if you remembered it or if you didn't have it at all. Yeah. You will kindly remove your mask. He does. Mm -hmm. And then they ask him, to remove his clothes. And yeah. at that moment, I just would have been like, huh, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Let's party. Let's you're you're all ahead. in at that point. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're, you're surrounded by a bunch of masked weirdos who aren't wearing clothes, half of them. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to go all in at that point. But also, I like there's so many parallels in this movie when, when he and Nicole came and go into the party and they just like – all of these people feel the same. Like when he's talking to Sidney Pollack, like it's just an older version of him. Like that's yeah. what he's probably going to become. And it makes me wonder, is this a weird initiation thing? Like everyone that's at that mass party, did they first have to do the Tom Cruise thing? Is, is this just a hazing or something for new recruits? You know, that could very well be. In fact, I think all the people who are at Ziggler's party, we're most likely at the oh, orgy later no on. No doubt. There's so many parallels between those two parties. Oh, and almost in a way, too, when watching the scenes at the Christmas party, it reminded me of the big ballroom sequence in The Shining. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of found connections from that film with this one. Very small ones, but for yeah. me, they were there nonetheless. Uh, 
So yeah, so after he, now, how the hell does he manage to just leave? Because they don't really show <laughs> after the orgy, he just right. comes back. And well, not, he's, I mean, they're not for as creepy as this all is. I I don't think they're they're not going to commit acts of violence on this guy. It's kind of like if if this isn't hazing or whatever, it's kind of a who's going to believe this guy? Like nobody's going to believe you. Like just buy. Great, you you stumbled into something. We called you out. We caught you. Isn't this weird? Go home. Who are you going to tell? Yeah, it's like I, I I talked to a few guys on the podcast that have owned a swingers club and they've had events like this. Okay. Maybe not in such a rich place. Sure, but there have been swingers clubs and people yeah. do host parties like this. It's not too uh-huh. uncommon, uh, and I think this in a way is Bill is supposed to be like our audience avatar, and he's showing us a lifestyle. That we're not used to. And in his mind, it's very creepy and yeah. ominous. But the whole thing about the woman that says, take me, I'm ready to redeem him, you know, I'll be a sacrifice. That's something that they just play at all the time. Yeah. It's just not a new thing to them. But now they got this newbie here, this vanilla type guy. They're going to yeah. go, let's have some fun with this. We'll make him to be our sacrifice. And maybe we can get him to join the club because Bill is a very successful doctor. Very rich. Lives oh. in like very rich Manhattan apartment. Gorgeous uh, apartment. That, oh, oh boy. I, I have friends that live in Manhattan. I mean, you can sit on their couch and you can touch, you can reach in the bathroom and touch the toilet and you can touch the stove. You don't yes. even have to get off the couch. Yeah. So this place is amazing. Yeah. Very, very cool thing there. Uh, so yeah, I always imagine that they're trying to initiate him in this table, yeah. like lifestyle. Uh, yeah. I, and- I do like to think of it that way. Like it seems so much less menacing. If you really do just think about this as some frat guy bullshit that they're pulling on him. Yeah. But ultimately maybe they are doing all this stuff to get him back to his wife. Because I always thought of this movie as being a very uplifting story about, love and communication and relationships because they maybe they wanted him to go through all these events to have something to tell Mm. his wife so maybe he's had his own experiences of this and he has something to maybe relate to his wife on it's like uh chasing amy when (laughs) but a lot better yes but but, 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 but yeah Ben Affleck is upset because yep. his girlfriend has done a whole bunch of things more sexually than he has. He wants to try to have the same thing happen by having a three-way with her and mm. his best friend. And it backfires on him. And he realized that it doesn't really matter about a person's past or right. what they've done or what they haven't done. A person is with you because they just love you. It doesn't matter about their past or anything like that. It's just who you are now. And I think this movie shows that. And it's done in Christmas time, where it's a time about rebirth and regrowment, improvement. Uh, kind of like how Ebenezer Scrooge changes in a Christmas story. <laughs> uh, Bill Hartford changes his ideas about what he thinks love and relationships and 
sense and communication. Uh, in this movie, both Bill and Alice can't really communicate with each other. They have to use like fantasy stories to communicate. And at the end, I think they have a more understanding with each other. And I believe they can grow and their marriage will become that much more better. Wow, you have such a a more... I don't know, sunny outlook on this movie than I do. Cause while okay. I don't think, while I don't That's... think that it's, well, I don't think the intentions of these people are so dark and so evil. Um, I, I mean, first of all, I don't see their relationship dissolving, but I do see the relationship probably going the same direction as Sidney Pollack and his wife. Like okay. they're going to stay together He's bringing in the box. She is the dutiful wife. And I think that they're both at, at some point going to come to accept that that's what their relationship is. Because I also think Pollock sees, you know, this young version of himself and is like, Hey, I can, I can help this kid along. I can, I can give him or I can mentor him and I can sort of give him what I enjoy about my life. Cause Honestly, I don't think he he doesn't care about their relationship at all. Like he doesn't care about this prostitute. Like he's pretty much cold to this and I think he's kind of just slowly allowing Bill into his inner circle. This one time, okay, it didn't work. He isn't quite on board, but if we keep this up a little more and I talk to him a little more Soon he'll be into the inner fold with me and this Hungarian weirdo, and we can all sit around and drink scotch with a bunch of topless hookers. I, that's <laughs> nice. what I. That's how I see. Yeah. It. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that's a bad thing either. I oh. just feel like that's probably where these two are going. I, I I like that very much. In fact, I almost imagine Bill Hartford to be a cuckold to Nicole Kidman. Mm, where yeah. she's going to bring home another guy and he's going to watch or maybe join in. I don't know. But I figured that may be going <laughs> on in their marriage. But at least at the end, they're talking to each other. And right. I love that great line that she says. There's something yeah. very important. Oh, maybe before that, uh, he's like, but now we're together forever and ever. And she's like, oh, don't say that. Yeah, it right. me. yeah it's, it's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, but I, I do yeah. love you, and there's something very important that we must do right. as soon as possible. And he says, "What?" And she says, "Fuck." And that's yeah. how the movie ends. And right. an amazing ending for a movie that was shown in theaters to a mass audience. I I love that last line. You can't really get away with that in almost any movie. I would I would expect to see in the theaters. This one did it, and I think that it's a fantastic and confusing way to end a yeah. movie, and it's a way to end a movie that will enrage people that have never seen a movie like this before. Yeah. It's, it's great, too, when they are in the toy shop, and yeah. the little girl holds up a giant teddy bear, uh -huh. and she's like, I hope Santa leaves this under my tree for Christmas, and Nicole Kidman goes, well, you have to wait and see. The next picture that came out after Kubrick died was AI artificial intelligence that had the bear. So I don't know. Maybe that was a precursor <laughs> to that movie. Maybe not. Oh my god. I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. The I, one I, thing. About, oh, sorry. The one thing about ahead. this movie that that kind of 
bummed me out a little bit more than anything else. And this is nothing I used to see, but now I'm, you know, like I said, I'm a man in my mid forties. I have three children of my own. They're all girls. He ignores his daughter through this movie. Nicole Kidman kind of does as well, but every time that girl is on screen with Tom Cruise, he is not paying any attention to her. The one time where they're all in bed together, he's just watching Nicole Kidman read to this child or teach her to read. He's he's doting over this boy patient of his way more than his own daughter, and it was nothing <laughs> I ever picked up on before, but I was like... Man, are you just pissed that you have a daughter? Like it was, it was a really weird thing, and I'm sure that it has nothing to do with the movie at all. But it was something I noticed this time around that I never really focused on before. Well, he has one interaction with his daughter when okay. uh, Alice is teaching her daughter math, and he oh, comes yeah, by yeah. and talks to him and say, "I did it all, Daddy." Like, really? You got every one? Yeah, Dad, I did every one. And she goes, "Maybe we did a puppy for Christmas." Oh, funny girl. Yeah, shut up. Yeah. Watch, dog. It's like Tom Cruise, like, why are you in this movie? All right, I don't yeah. know why you're in this movie yeah. for kid. I don't so, really know why she's in the movie either. I'm like, I guess this is just to show that they're married and have some sort of connection. But yeah, no, that's, that's, I, I mean, and and again, like, I really do. I, I feel that this is a phenomenal film. I, I like. I like most of Kubrick's work. I am not a big fan of Dr. Strangelove at all. I think Ooh, tonally, okay. I, I don't think the humor works. I don't think the, the I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big fan of that movie. Uh, and it okay, took me a I'll, while. I'll... It took me a while to get on board with Full Metal Jacket. As a kid and, and for the longest time, I felt the way I think a lot of other people do where I'm like, oh man, the first half of that movie is amazing. And then they go to Vietnam and it kind of sucks. I appreciate it much more now. This is the first movie of his that I saw, mm, other than The Shining, that I was on board with the first time I saw it. Um, and neither of those two movies has suffered over time. Like I, I still think that those two are the best. Well, just for me. like I think 2001 is his best film, Mm-hmm. It's probably third as far as my favorite. It's like David Lynch. I, I Number one in my book will always be Lost Highway. I understand that Mulholland Drive is probably his best film, but it's not my favorite. That's, that, that's a fair point there, too. Uh, for me, my favorite Kubrick movie is a toss-up between this movie and A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. That because I... Saw our Clockwork Orange at a young age. You can check out our past episode at cinemarecall.net. But I saw Clockwork Orange at a young age where I'm not supposed to be watching this movie <laughs> and was very horrified and impressed. It's a movie that made me feel bad for a person that I should not feel bad for at mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. during this movie. Yeah. It played with emotions very well. I thought it was very well filmed. And of course, The Shining. I've seen The Shining multiple times. I still love watching that movie. It's, it's hard to say. I still think his best movie is probably 2001. Yeah. Like, that is his masterpiece. That is, is one that he'll be known for throughout the years, which made sense because the way that the special effects were used in that were astounding. Yeah. No, a hundred years from now, I mean, I don't want to. 
I don't want to say nobody's going to be talking about Eyes Wide Shut, but it wouldn't shock me if this thing just falls away. And But 2001 will never go away. I mean, people will yeah. be talking about that 100, 150 years from now, no doubt. That's, that's, that's the film of his that will survive the inevitable apocalypse. But I think it is fascinating that this movie, Eyes Wide Shut, is his last yeah. movie. And it's a great send-off to a great director's career. And I'm glad he was able to make this. Because as much as I great. love Full Metal Jacket, I don't want that to be the last movie that people know Stanley Kubrick for. Great movie. Agreed. It's, it's got some great aspects to it, though. But I still think Eyes Wide Shut is a better movie. It's a movie that you can come back to each year. That's why I watch it every year at Christmas. I watch this wow. Batman Returns. And the cool thing about this uh, version is yeah. that this is the uncut international version. Yeah. So when Bill goes to the orgy, you get to see all the hardcore action mm-hmm. that happened. Because in the theatrical release, uh, the studios put in CGI <laughs> characters <laughs> to block a lot of the action. Just CGI characters in black cloaks standing all over the place in, well, in and perfect two- position. <laughs> It's all they're they're not moving. They're just standing right. still, and it's yeah. so awkward to watch because, especially at that time, CG was not impressive. Yeah. So yeah, just black clothes feature. They could have just done like a black blob instead, like a yep. black like, bar. I, I do have to say, like I don't, I don't know what is taking so long. I don't know what the rights issues are with this. But where is my big giant? Criterion 4K eyes wide shut with commentary and everything. Like, I don't understand what the issues are with this film. Why isn't there just an incredible definitive release out there? Oh, it would be great to have a commentary track with sure. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, <laughs> even after all these years, because yeah, they were yeah. married at the time they made yeah. this movie. And they got divorced soon long after this. Yeah. Now, many years have passed. Uh, they're both involved in their whole things right now. They're doing well. I think that they could come together as friends and just describe the making of this movie. And it would be amazing to listen to. So Warner Brothers, yeah, if you're listening. Just, come on. Just somebody. Bring in some film scholar. I don't care who it is. Give me, give me a definitive. Give me an amazing package with a big... 50 page booklet like that's really what i want from this film and i I think it's a shame that we don't have that and and i've never really had that this thing's always just been kind of like released on bare bones dvd and then you know a a blu-ray that doesn't honestly have that much i i I would love a 4k version of this movie uh i do like the fact that this is the fully uncut version which mm-hmm. i like sure. and they do feature a lot of interviews they had an interview okay. with tom cruise and nicole kidman and even steven spielberg oh all right okay that's really cool so wait are these talk- are these interviews at the time or are these interviews yep. for the release of the no these are interviews Blu-ray. kind okay. of like at at the time right. yeah. of the movie uh this is just prior before steven spielberg was starting to make AI artificial intelligence because he was communicating back and forth with Stanley Kubrick about that movie. And then after he died, uh, Spielberg went to honor his best friend's wishes and make AI artificial intelligence. And that is a movie that I had to do a whole other episode on 
that's AI something that I yeah, that's a movie I feel like I should revisit because I feel like I saw it in the theaters, haven't seen it since then. Okay, um, I didn't hate it, but I was underwhelmed by what I saw in sure. the theater. And boy, that that movie got shit on like crazy when it first mm-hmm. came out. But I've heard a lot of people reappraise it, so I feel like it's it's due for a, a rewatch for me. It, it is due for a rewatch, especially when you learn that the ending that was filmed. I thought when I watched in theaters, yeah. the ending that was made w- was just tacked on by Spielberg okay. to make it more hopeful. Huh. And that's not what Kubrick wanted. That's not true. The ending that's in the movie, that's the ending that Kubrick wanted. Okay. Oh, okay. That was interesting. In his Josh's screenplay. So watching yeah. it again and knowing that this actually was Kubrick's version. And all Spielberg did was try to encapsulate yeah. that. And oh. AI features a lot of great traction shots and shots that Kubrick would do. But it's filmed by Spielberg, which is different and odd because Kubrick <laughs> and Spielberg are not two matches. Yeah. But originally, Kubrick wanted to produce the movie and have Spielberg direct it. He mm. thought he would match his version of that even more. Uh, kind of the whole thing like Poltergeist. Poltergeist yeah. is a movie that Spielberg wrote, but Toby Hooper, Toby Hooper directed yeah. it. And the whole controversy uh, with that. You get whole so thing. many people just bent out of shape on either end. I'm like, okay, yeah. just can we just enjoy it? Like, do we have to, do we have to fight over whose film this is? Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, plus, Come on, give them both I, credit. Why not? Yeah, at the same time, it doesn't fucking matter. All no. right, but I, I uh, anyway, that's a, that's a conversation for a different time. That's true. <laughs> uh, but uh, closing out Eyes Wide Shut, uh, sure. I'll ask you to give your story of Eyes Wide Shut, and then. Tell us your favorite moments from this movie. So, are we? Uh, is it a? Is it a letterbox one through five? Is it a one through ten? What it's we... what are, well, uh, okay. I do one through five. Yeah, but my co-host does one through ten. So, okay, it's up to the guest. I don't think it matters. It's a five or a ten, whatever you want. I really do feel that this is an amazing film that far too many people have either avoided because they heard bad things about it at the time, or I know people that flat out just, and I get it to a certain degree, just hate Tom Cruise and won't watch anything with him in it. But boy, do yourself a favor and watch this film. It can be challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you don't have to have had uh, taken any sort of, you know, film courses in college to get it. But I, I think that this is, this is a film that, isn't talked about as much as it should be, uh, especially you know just in the in the corners of, of Stanley Kubrick discussion. Um, but this is boy, I hate to use perfect film. And I listen, I have a certain film type that I love. I this Mahala Drive Persona. There, there's a there's a type of film that I love. <laughs> and they all fit into that category. So maybe I'm biased, but I think this is a gorgeous film to look at. Even if this is just on in the background at a cool jazz bar, you don't need to hear anything said. It's still great to look at. Uh, so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm giving this top score all around. I like that. Uh, do you have a favorite moment? Uh, my I mean, my favorite moment of this is just the sort of the discussion they have that kicks off all the events in this, you know, just yes. after, after she smokes that joint, everything's great, but also, and I've kind of said this already, I want to be at every party. I want to be in every interior, even the prostitutes 
crummy apartment yeah. looks gorgeous. Like everything, <laughs> everything is decked out. There's like, a, I don't know if you noticed this. And I think this is when he's talking to her roommate. They're walking through the apartment. There's the tiniest bathtub I've ever seen, just yes. filled with Christmas presents. Like the set design <laughs> is incredible. Every corner is thought about. Um, but no, that that conversation they have that really gets things running. I love it. I, I could just sit down and watch that on YouTube and be satisfied. Uh, I, I I'm with you on that scene at the beginning yeah. with Allison Bill, Nicole Kidman's dialogue and monologue she gives. The piecing of the words that she used, yeah. it hypnotizes me. Yeah. As many times I watch that movie and things go on, when she starts telling that story, you're in a trance. Yeah. And from then on, I'm just going full-blown into this movie that Will Bar- Bill Harvard does. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you, Doug. This is a five out of, like, five. Yeah. Uh, Christmas orgies for me. It's uh, just an, an amazing. I want all movie. of your ratings now to be how many Christmas orgies out of five Christmas orgies is this movie? <laughs> yes, fair enough. Oh, but yeah, like I, I'm just gonna I repeat yeah. everything that you just said. Yeah, visually stunning, and for a long movie, it never feels long. No. I watched the movie many times, and never once. Do I feel like the movie drapes? No. Even though characters are talking slowly and everything's like dreamlike, it yeah. puts you into that mind state. I know Kubrick has this way of making movies. In fact, Spielberg said this in the interview. He says movies have this fail-safe notion. Like once you start one, you can't turn it off. Yeah. No, I never have. Listen, if there are certain there are certain films out there. I mean, it's like cries and whispers like that's it's kind of a drag it's, it's a great movie it's kind of tough to watch if i'm going to put on a, a tarkovsky if i'm going to watch mirror i can't watch that all the way through maybe mm-hmm. my attention spans bad but this thing no it never drags you're kind of always waiting for the next scene because at, yeah. at a certain point everything becomes more bonkers than the last scene and interaction we just saw so yeah it it keeps you going it keeps you interested um, yeah, don't let that runtime turn you off if you're on the fence. Oh, what's going on here? It's uh, me, the Vern here, um, interrupting this podcast to read some listener comments that I forgot to read on the main show. And that's my fault for being a dumbass uh, because I could not find the comments in time and I just got flustered and everything. But a lot of you great people left comments about this movie, Eyes Wide Shut. And I'm going to read to you, read them for you right now. Okay? So, our good gents over at Film Rage Podcast on the Twitter sphere at Film Rage YYC said, It's not his best film, and not one I'd say is one to leave his legacy with. Although, I haven't seen it in its release, so let me know if I should rewatch it. Yes, you should. Anders Holmes at Frobrish's91 says, It's one of those Kubrick films I come back to the most. Definitely one of my top favorite of his. I think it has one of Tom Cruise's best performance. It's a dark, mysterious, and beguiling odyssey into dark desires and fragile masculinity. There's a lot to unpack with this one. Thank you. 
I do agree with that. Carlos at the movie loot, and he is found at ThiefCGT on Twitter, says this. It's on my Kubrick's top three. That is awesome. Thank you very much, Carlos. Uh, John Connell at John Connell5 on the Twitter says, Incredible film, his best after 2001. Love Cruz's slick performance and the weird vibe. Kidman is great too. I agree with that too. Thank you. The Cult Worthy podcast at The Cult Worthy says, It's just good all around. LOL. And then finally, Rachel Reviews Movies and Theater at Rachel underscore Reviews on Twitter said, haven't seen that one. Well, I hope you put that onto your Christmas list for next year, Rachel. Thank you. All right, so over on Instagram, I posted a clip of the ending scene of Eyes Wide Shut, and here are the responses that I got. Uh, Turtle Rocket Butch says, is that the actual ending of the movie? Like, roll credits right after? I've never seen it. And I said, yes, the credits roll after the scene. And then they replied in, that's funny. Our good buddy Gene Carlo from the Science Fiction Remnant podcast said, Man, I watched this movie not too long ago for the first time. What a movie. And shout out to Gene Carlo because this dude was recently in the hospital and he just got out. Glad to know he's doing well. Glad to know that they're going to be making more episodes of Science Fiction Remnant podcast. You can find them on Instagram at Sci-Fi Remnant. And then the last comment that I have here is from Coach J. Arellano. Coach J. Arellano says, Crazy how they made Tom taller than Nicole. She is really five inches taller. Yes, she's a tall woman. Tom's a short guy. But hey, some tall ladies love their short teens. So, hey. It worked out either way. But thank you everyone for leaving comments. We didn't get any comments on our Facebook group page or our Facebook page. Uh, That's cool. Uh, Let's get back to our end of conversations with Doug from Good Times, Great Movies. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, Doug, we're getting to the end of our episode here. Thank you so much for being on. Really appreciate it. Before we do go, Doug, yeah. please tell listeners once again where to find you and any new upcoming episodes you want to plug. Sure. Uh, the podcast is Good Times, Great Movies. We can be found on all of the socials, and I think it's either Good Times, Great Movies, that's a lot to type, or GTGM cast on certain things as well. Like I said, we're into Bo Derek Sember. It's a disaster. Uh, but I'm very excited coming up once the new year hits. We're going to be talking about satisfaction with uh, Julie Roberts and Justine Bateman. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I had that on the list for the very first year of our show. I was like, we should do this. And it's not streaming anywhere. And the DVDs were like $50, Oh, gosh. So a wonderful show supporter sent me a copy that I'm going to watch and then send it to my co-host to watch so we can finally do this movie. Oh, that's beautiful. That has to be the most yeah. toughest thing about doing an older movie podcast yeah. is to find 
movies available because you can't just watch your local the- a video store and be like, I want this movie. <laughs> right. Especially, yeah. especially now in this day and age. So that is commendable. Yeah. I wish the best happened, of luck with that. It's happened time time to time. It's happened like where we had to buy, and I'm not opposed to it, buy physical copies. We did um, Sweet Liberty uh, and we had to buy a physical copy. We did, um, oh man, what was it? How I what was the what was the savage how i got into college or something uh the guy who did um better off dead and one crazy summer and, uh, yeah one crazy summer it was his third movie oh he, he, he did steve salvage holland did three yes, movies he did three the other one is i, I think it's no called idea. how how i got into college um and we had to buy that on dvd as well so oh gosh i that is so i I would have it up later on because I had no idea. Yeah, check he... it out. I mean, it's it's not great, but it's something. <laughs> that is so – oh, man, I can't – I'm trying to look up his filmography right now, yeah. but I'm not seeing anything Yeah, I believe it's called How I Got Into College. I think that's the okay. title. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yep, How I Got Into College. Okay. That's yep. it. 1989. Okay. Yep. I will look that up later there. Uh, All right. But then thank you for being on the show. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Before we go, I do this every episode. I got to give a shout out to our amazing Patreon supporters. Without them, the show would not be here. So thank you very much to these individuals. Uh, again, patreon.com slash pod. And no special order. Big thank you. And feel free to say anything after if you want to, Doug. Sure. Jason from Rabbit Hole Podcasts. Jeanette Mickenham at AKA Jeanette. Matt and Ashley from Mashley at the Movies. Donnie Roberts, who writes the Deep Sea Anthologies, formerly of Cage's Kiss. Linda Castro of Bed Knobs and Broom Flicks. And we gotta thank our buddy Harvey Andras, who doesn't have a podcast. He's just a friend. We love him. Thank you, Harvey. And lastly, Jen McQuaid of Shocked and Applaud. Again, thank you very much. If you want to be like these individuals and get a shout out and get access to episodes early and bonus video footage, head on over to patreon.com slash pod. I'll post links on our show notes. Big thank you to our guest here, Doug from Good Times, Great Movies. Thank you very much for being here watching us listening uh do you have any closing thoughts you want to say before we leave the show here doug no i mean Vern, i i have to thank you thanks for having me um thanks for you know indulging my request to come on and talk about this film uh if you're ever hard up for a guest hit me up more than happy to jump on again and i will say uh, bed knobs and broom flicks that's an amazing name like <laughs> that's, that great? that's pretty fantastic yeah yeah it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, but all our, our Patreon members are really great. They got great shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but folks, that's it right now. Uh, I don't know when we'll be back, but we'll hopefully be back, hopefully sooner than later. But anyways, folks, love you all, and I'll say goodbye there. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.